0: Well, hello there and welcome to the Weekend Podcast. It's Oliver Callan here on February's last weekend in 2023. I hope you're enjoying it. So this podcast is a wrap of all the best things we did this week, but there's also some interesting extras like the messages and emails and correspondence we received from listeners and we didn't really get time to get to on the radio show, you see. So we'll come to that shortly. And all of this, of course, is not nicely packaged into one neat ear hug Just for you, so it'll make you feel smarter That's an RTE guaranteed promise And we are people of our word these days Aren't we just (sighs) Okay, so we're going to begin shortly with The Home of the Year Judges It started back on telly this week And I mean all of the Home of the Year Judges We had design legend Hugh Wallace Who speaks like this and says words like Home and modern Amanda Bone, who's our Chief Snarchitect a judge on the show, and Sarah Cosgrove, who's just been there three years on the show. This is her third series, and she was telling us how she was a fan who's now just become uh, a judge. So she was shouting at the TV, now she's in the TV shouting at you, like she used to be a. a I'm you get me. So they kind of talked a lot of interesting things. They actually revealed that they hadn't been to each other's houses. Some of them hadn't even seen each other's houses and pictures and so on. They've never done it, which I thought was quite interesting. Some of our listeners did as well. What else did we discover? new Amanda is mad into her cars. She drives a Saab. A particular Sab that is notable for being the architect's choice of car because of its design and so on, she talks about that and Sarah says she's the referee between Hugh and Amanda who disagree on so many things in houses and homes on the show and she also admitted herself, Sarah that is to loving cushions on the bed which makes Amanda's eyes and ears bleed Hugh said the unseen version of Home of the Year is how they get to visit every town and village of the land as they're shooting the show and enjoy all their cafes and their lunches and also the rural hotels where they stay as they're filming uh, from house to house and where Amanda apparently gets the bridal suite every time with the towels that folds into the shape of swans and so on. So after our Home of the Year, judges, stay listening because you'll enjoy our chat with the Oscar-winning director who's made a new documentary about the astounding story of probably the OG Mr. Cancelled John Galliano remember him he was a fashion designer in the house of Dior in Paris he was an English guy who became big in Paris although he was born in Spain we talk about that in our chat with Kevin and so John Galliano he went on a rant in late 2010 it emerged in 2011, it was one of the first kind of public figures to be shot and gain notoriety because of something they did, which was captured on a mobile phone. It ended his career. And his rant was actually quite shocking, even by today's standards, because he's in this Paris cafe drunkenly praising Hitler and telling people there that they would have been gassed for being ugly. So can he find redemption? What has he been doing in the 13 years since he was sacked by the world's richest man, Mr Arnault of LVMH, that's the one you had in Paris, luxury product Louis Vuitton Mowat and Shannon all of those great big brands well John Galliano as it happens is back working and he makes for a very divisive figure even as he's explaining and apologising in this film in 2024 it's just fascinating and it's a proper objective documentary Kevin MacDonald also spoke to us about directing Jodie Foster he made a movie with her just two or three years ago called The Mauritania*. it's very good actually it's about an inmate in Guantanamo Bay and she's a real life lawyer but Jodie Foster of course is having the best Hollywood comeback story for decades this year nominated for her first Academy Award in 30 years after the last one starring in True Detective one of the biggest shows in the world and all of that interesting character after we spoke to Kevin we had former inter-county footballer Geraldine Doherty that'll be after Kevin chatting in the podcast Geraldine Doherty she was telling about her time as a player for me the rising success of the women's game she has her own story as well about coming out preparing to become a mother as she is at the moment with her Mrs Leslie in just a couple of weeks time she was adorable, brilliant and if she's not busy enough preparing to become a mum being a selector with her local club men's team, St Dalton's, and her job as a care worker, she also wants to save men, the men of the GAA and she talks about the fact that footballers, hurlers everybody associated with GAA at inter-county level and senior men's Game are still afraid to come out in 2024. We actually did a call out on the radio for any closeted men involved in the GA circles at any level to get in touch, and said we you know treat their stories anonymously and sensitively and all that palaver. And that was on Wednesday. We didn't hear anything back, zero conversation. So there is something badly wrong there. By the way, Oliver at ort.ie is our email address. If you're out there, men folk, and you want to talk, and do it quietly. Just text email format. So that was that conversation with Geraldine Doherty. And right at the end of the podcast, listen out to our fun roundup of all the action at the BAFTAs, where, of course, Killian Murphy won his first Best Actor award. And it sets up his status nicely as the favourite for the Oscar in a couple of weeks' time. Cork's very first Oscar. Of course, that'll be the most important thing. So listen out for that. And we also round up all the amazing things as well, like the surprise appearance of Michael J. Fox for when he announced Best Picture. And the instantaneous standing ovation Which is quite emotional in that BAFTA's setup. So listen out to that And thank you very much for listening of course Do subscribe to the show on your app Whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and so on Thanks for your support Listen on the wireless as well RT Radio 1 of course after 9am until 10 Monday to Friday And keep an ear out to the very end of the podcast Because that's where I'm going to go to all the listeners' correspondence That I didn't have time to get to on the radio show So enjoy everything in the meantime Let's begin with the Home of the Year Judges. And you're all very welcome back. So what makes a house a home? Actually, i must play the theme tune so we can all get ourselves into the mood for Home of the Year. What makes a house a home? This morning we are marking 10 years of Home of the Year as it returns to our screens tonight. t one Television, is it? That yes. mm-hmm. eight? And the three fussiest, judgiest... Make you shout at the telliest stars of the programme are in studio design legend Hugh Wallace. Thank you very much <laughs> Award winning architect Amanda Bone Morning And award winning interior designer Sarah Cosgrove
1: Good morning
0: You're all very welcome And the text is 501-551 if you want to judge the judges oh. <laughs> But do go. play nice Because you guys always do Don't you With um, Except with inanimate objects <laughs> <laughs> uh, It is ten years We start with you as the senior judge Because D- you don't D- Are you the D- only one who's done all, yeah, yes, all yeah, ten All 10,
2: ten from the very beginning been wonderful. Now. It's just me. Wonderful. What a journey. And all those fellow judges. It's just amazing. And now I have these two. <laughs> you know? I mean, really. Your favourite. You know? Oh. Come here And you're one at the, the end now <laughs> Yeah she's the best am Amanda's like the best, the best. In the Sarah neutral. is yeah, just, literally Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah best Come on Where's your
0: whistle And I'm where's your the whistle? So. Get out the I whistle I need my whistle She let's, needs her whistle I actually have a whistle
1: she Sarah is yeah.
0: right there And you just said Amanda's your favourite judge <laughs> That's who? okay <laughs> Who me? <laughs> well let's
3: face it They both know I'm really the only person Who knows what I'm talking about <laughs> Oh you see That's
0: the whole problem
2: That's the whole problem White, white, white It's all the same You know there one
3: chair and white pattern, pattern, pattern. Let, I know. Be, where Let's ruin a room. room. Let's room, a colour, room.
0: A colour oh, right. that doesn't match. Sorry, I have else. to go. Claire Byrne here, I like one voice at a time, please. Okay, <laughs> now, I will go back to Hugh, the senior person. So you've dispensed with the other judges. <laughs> I dispensed with the other judges. It's just <laughs> fabulous. I mean, when
2: what what amazes me is if somebody describes the house, I can go. I remember that. And and I I've done mm. two hundred and twenty five homes, between home of the year and celebrity home of the year. So, but it's an amazing journey. And the three of us are like giddy kids. We've we've gathered that well, already. No, no, it's aren't we when you <laughs> arrive up at a house. Yeah. And we're not allowed in, so we all stand Ooh. outside in the weather with the wind and the <laughs> rain. <laughs> and these two in skimpy little outfits. You know, I love that. Shocking, shocking Do you know? And, and there we are freezing to death and then we open the door and it's amazing because more than likely when you walk through the door it's completely different, isn't Speaking. that right?
0: Completely different to what you're expecting yeah, when absolutely. you're outside.
2: Absolutely, that's what's wild.
0: Never mind the skimpy outfits, maybe if you wore your jumper instead of around your shoulders, you know, if it's cold, <laughs> you might be cold.
2: No, but, but I, I love my little jumpers, you know, <laughs> I think they bring a bit of colour. They should do. Like my glasses, <laughs> yes. you know. You need to bring the glasses with a bit of colour. And you've changed your glasses this season. I noticed. I do, so yes. I've gone for the red. The red, red now. yeah. Okay.
1: I thought you colour coordinated with your glasses. I do. Yeah, I outfits. have blue.
2: You said blue, green, black, and red. Yeah. So it depends on what <laughs> I'm wearing. For season
1: ten, yes,
0: my answer. <laughs> because I've seen the first episode, got huh? the exclusive viewing, wow. and I noticed you're wearing different glasses during the judging bit. Where you're? Where is that bit at the end where you're all there in a room? In Palmerston House. Oh, very nice. We have a great Different classes for
2: period properties. Now, that's the highlight. Isn't that right? That's the highlight of the show because that's the first time that we get to know which houses.
1: I've been in episode? i yeah. in
0: which episode. So oh, we have the right. Okay, so you're filming it out of sequence. Totally. Yeah. I so each house is
1: independently judged. You, you know, oh, it's not like gosh. you're comparing it against the house you saw or home you saw the day before. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, as Hugh says, we get so little information. And, and
0: Sarah, what's the gap between seeing the house and then doing all the judging? Might be two weeks. No oh, so more. A-
1: Okay. It's really tight the schedule. Yeah.
0: In fact, it was a week
2: this year. Yeah. And but Amanda, we all arrive and that's a day of delight and disappointment. Wouldn't that be fair? Because houses that you really wanted to get through
1: don't, don't make the grade.
3: Yeah. Because yeah, we don't know which houses are up against each other. So you're unfurling the scroll and suddenly you could find, as has happened to me on many occasions, your three favourite homes of this series are all in the one episode. It's
1: also when we... Oh he-
0: right, that's a huge thing then, yeah. isn't it? You're thinking these are going to be, yeah, going to make the final and But only one of them two. gone, yes you eliminate eliminate yeah. two of them.
1: And then it's kind of devastating and you're trying to then wait you, you're, we've got that same anticipation because you don't know what your fellow judges And <clears throat> I always give the analogy, when I moved back from London it was the one show I really did watch and mm-hmm. I would be shouting at the television, <laughs> how did you give that home a seven? Now I'm in the room shouting yes. at him, how did a seven. It is <laughs> and like, he's still not answering. <laughs> he's still
0: like. <sighs> so you, you're like the rest of us. You were a fan, and but Massive except you're fan. now a judge. And, and, and you were working at Harrods. Is that correct? Yes, in, in okay. For
1: five and a half years, I've had a design there, so that was interesting. So a bit of a change. Interesting. Good. Oh yeah, just fascinating. I mean, the Harrods is its own planet and yeah. I was on planet Harrods for five and a half years.
0: The uber wealthy are coming in, yeah, are they? Yeah, just looking?
1: very international and a lot of big characters like the show. So I was <laughs> <laughs> feeling right at home at home I of the year. i say the
0: characters were slightly bigger <laughs> coming to Harrods for interior design, maybe, that, than anything we could imagine.
3: So what's your home like?
0: Oh, It's okay. a home, Amanda. Uh, uh, there are things in it, so you wouldn't like it.
3: <laughs> and your red spot?
0: Oh, the red spot is right here, of course. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. Good, um, have you seen,
3: you've seen the first episode?
0: I've seen the first episode, and uh, there are what quite a think? couple of surprises in it. Because, uh, And actually, the, the, there's a lovely house in the west of Ireland, with, which has a swimming pool outside. Oh, oh, yeah. yes. But there's a huge kitchen di- dining area. The first thing I said was, I don't like the colour of the kitchen. And Amanda... Yes. I told you. I'm on, a, I'm on the track. The oh. green, the green.
4: Green was fabulous. You know, it was yeah, a beautiful. We loved it. it wasn't different.
2: Yeah, we exactly. loved it, didn't
1: He's we? Team Amanda here. Team
0: Amanda boo. Team
1: Amanda boo.
2: <laughs> anyway, uh, Dem- Amanda is called Demanda Amanda. Amanda. Is That's Demanda yeah. Amanda Demanda Amanda Isn't that right liking this, You see
0: Yeah. Liking this too much Actually the swimming pool Which was outside I have a clip here Of the, the reaction Of oh. the judges To the swimming pool uh, To show the level Of energy continues Whether it's half nine In the morning Or whether you're out In the west of Ireland The favourite spot And at
1: the swimming pool No less What a favourite spot Oh my goodness! This is stupendous. I'm I'm actually quite speechless.
2: Amazing having a pool in your own house. Just sauna there. You can do your stretching and exercises. Jump into the pool. Must be just extraordinary.
1: How refreshing! I wish I knew. See, I'm but doing that stretching, stretching
2: and yoga.
0: And,
1: I would have it. and <laughs> <Beautiful>
2: Amanda's <laughs>
0: doing her hey, length. He's even talking over Amanda's bit there. Where you were talking about oh, you were going to get your right. tugs. No, it was Uh-oh. just beautiful. I actually-
1: <laughs> nowhere to lie I we think if you had had your time,
2: you have. would have, oh, got I have it was, it was, it was pretty amazing cool. I, I had my onesies <laughs> I should you know have brought my onesies what was particularly beautiful
3: <laughs> well, about God, that it's pool it's is they had a, a boundary wall built around their garden separating from the burren but where the pool was located they had omitted the boundary wall and they just had a glazed screen so that if you were swimming in the pool doing your lens you would a clear view out of the fields there was nothing blocking your line of vision yeah. and I thought that detail was particularly lovely, yeah,
0: it was lovely. Now it's, it's actually an usual episode because you have this kind of what we would consider the traditional home of the year, uh, you know, mod- modern home. Modern, yeah, modern home in the <laughs> West of Ireland. And then it's up against the schoolhouse, a converted schoolhouse in the West Coast. And I would have thought, well, Amanda's going to hate this. I know. She's going to hate this house.
3: But the thing about home of the year is I'm an architect, but I have to, it's not about architecture. So I have to try and leave that at the door. Now, sometimes I don't. It all depends on the home itself. Mm. But I judge a home on how it makes me feel. On that particular day and when we were standing there it's just it it was just so uplifting it it was just so calming it was it it, it was actually overwhelming and that's because of the space of the you know of the design of the home itself and also i felt that the homeowners really matched or well suited their home they understood the type of home that they had and and you know they made the most of it and they pushed its qualities it just felt so authentic it felt absolutely beautiful
0: I mean, it's it's a good start because you've got the modern one, you've got the kind of older style one, and the one in between. So it's very hard to figure out which one you all go for. And we can't obviously reveal no, it, but, but it's something for everyone.
2: But isn't, yeah, that's what I love yeah. about it. Yeah. I'd look at it as a half-hour family romp. Yeah. You know, where... <laughs> if you don't like one home, you'll like the other. And that's what's fabulous about the show.
0: And it's sort of over before it's begun. (laughs) A question for everyone. And this is what we're discussing it uh, hotly Upstairs about, you know, a brand new house is just ready to go. It's all going to be a little bit too perfect. Should there be criteria where, you know, the house must be lived in for, let's say, two or three years, fully lived in before it gets judged on home of the year? Because they're they're a little bit ahead of the posse or if it's new.
1: Uh, No, No. it actually rarely. Sorry. But it rarely makes a difference. I think it rarely makes a difference. Sometimes the homes that are too perfect and too new, it nearly counts. It doesn't actually go for them sometimes Mm. because it feels like I'd love to see it in two years when it has a bit of character. So it actually really, it's all down to that individual home, doesn't it? it? And
2: also what people are bringing with them. That's what I love. So you've got uber modern homes and then they bring their granny's furniture and it all falls
0: a base <laughs> but you you love a bit of shabby chic oh
2: i love shabby chic mm. wallpaper patterns color <laughs> there's no end to
0: my desire well, there is an end sometimes you think there can be a bit too much oh, upcycling indeed indeed okay, you have your you have your limits
2: i do yes i i just think that upcycling um needs to be done well Mm-hmm. And it's fabulous when it's done well, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like that. <laughs> that oh, is a very uncommittal. Oh Yeah, Amanda knows.
0: Amanda well, I'm not actually afraid Serial. to make
3: a comment on upcycling. What I suppose is I appreciate and love things in their original form as they're meant to be. And quite often when items are upcycled, they're actually not as beautiful or successful as they originally designed to be. On, so I'm it. all for leaving things as they are, maintaining them bring them back to life, but maybe not trying to make them into something they're not.
2: Oh, no, but a little bit of wallpaper on the doors. Oliver. Little bit of gold. <laughs> well, actually, <laughs> Home Where's of my the list? Year has turned your, um, me. Like
3: it starts to rise. Has turned me onto wallpaper. <laughs> and the other thing about Home of the Year is, I can't believe I'm saying this. I live in a very modern, minimalist home. But every time we filmed a home, I'd walk in the door and I'd stand there going, hmm, this feels a little bit cold. And my partner said to me, well, maybe, Amanda, that's because you painted all the walls white. You've got a pale floor. (laughs) And the other thing was all the fluffy beds. Did you notice the duvets and the pillows? So I'm opening the door for my bedroom, standing there looking at my bed going, this is miserable. (laughs)
0: <laughs> you're judging your own house. it's the
3: first time it happened, and I'm thinking of colours. See you're not quite, not side. quite thinking of wallpaper, but colours and
0: you're going to paint the house and
3: fluffiness and
0: she's turning. To the and dark there's something really, there's something turning. You're having um, a
2: moment. We went, to <laughs> me, we, went to, we went to this fabulous house. It was around Halloween and there was a broom outside. So I gave it to Amanda and said, it's great the way you came here. You huh? didn't need any transport. She's fabulous, that woman. That, and that I grabbed is...
3: it and scared the out of everybody.
0: By the way, have you been to each other's houses? No. No,
1: um, no never.
0: That would be... I haven't been invited. <laughs> oh, I wonder you? why. Uh, could you imagine? That's interesting, though. The, you must have seen pictures of each other's house. No? This is a, well, you've seen Amanda's, you see yeah. yeah. which is fabulous. Yeah. Yes. White. You've really shown white. it off, and there's a lot of white. But we're, we're, you might have to show it off again after you change it.
3: It's very sophisticated. It's very oh. restrained. Oh. It's beautiful. In fact, it goes far as saying perhaps my home is perfect.
2: Of course <laughs> it is. <of laughs> because course. it's
3: been considered, you. Every little detail has oh. been thought about something that you may take into consideration when you're doing oh. your own
2: home. Oh, Martin's going to invite uh, okay. Amanda over.
0: You've, Martin's you've seen, in, you've seen his house. No, no sure. well, he, you're doing up a house yeah. and yourself yeah, and Myself husband. and yeah. Martin
3: are friends. We're in tune. We know what's what. Yeah. We have to try and get I'm, you know.
0: I'm get you across the bedroom. line. Does Martin have similar tastes to Amanda?
3: Martin oh, and right. I make the decisions. Yeah. I
2: go away.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> <it's just laughs> to get Sarah no, around around right. to in to yeah, Sarah's to
3: doing
2: Sarah's doing my bathroom and bedroom. <laughs> Is that that's, that's true yeah oh. because I want to, I have, saying to no. I have to have a respite room I have to have a respite room to get away from that wife I just can't cope but also
3: they're the rooms that'll be hidden from view so anyone coming into the house won't have to pass through them or see them whereas everything else Martin and I'll get right
0: Sarah, Sarah how do you describe the aesthetic of your own home
1: Uh, A doer-upper is how I would describe it I bought yeah I sold my home last year and bought a proper Ah. proper project so at the moment I am living in
0: you're living in the (laughs) project the most
1: un-home of the year home of the year you know what I mean (laughs) but it could be perfect it eventually will be yeah Yeah. but it needs a bit of work Mm
0: -hmm. would you go on home of the year (laughs)
1: um
0: I know you can't as a judge. I but was about to say, say I, I think it? there might
1: be a conflict of interest <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I give well. everything 12. <laughs>
0: <laughs> By the way, why does nothing get less than a 7?
1: Because it comes into the show as a 9, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. there are ones that, that get less than 7. Is there a 6? Oh, there,
0: there is a there six. 6. yeah, there yeah, is. Yeah, there That's is. It. Why yeah. five, yeah. it. Why would you just do 5 then? 1, I to was 5. You never know. I did.
2: was very naughty. Then? I gave a 6. Did you? Yeah, to to a marvellous home. In this series? No, some series ago. I like the. <laughs> That's old, how long ago this. Yeah, I love sixes. I do love the odd little six because then there's oh consternation, oh, and they're even. They're even better when I give a seven. Amanda gives a ten. Like <laughs> yes, she's looking at things happen, through yeah. very odd glasses. That woman, yeah. and you're always sensible. Well, you're always I often sensible. Feel
1: three of us are standing in one room, and we might as well be in three different houses. It is god like, How are they not seeing what I'm seeing? Because of where you're standing in the room, I've noticed
3: it though, the three of us could walk into the room I could be standing with my back to the door looking into a dark room with no windows you could be standing (coughs) on the other side of the room back against the wall, looking out through a great big window with a beautiful aspect and Sarah could be sitting on the couch looking at the fireplace. We only get a couple of minutes in each room, but we're all looking at it and experiencing it in a very different way and we'll often leave a room and at the end of the day, after filming, I'll notice something that I hadn't seen before. So it really comes down to where you're standing as well and yeah. your experience of it.
2: Like we don't meet the homeowners or anything. No. We haven't been allowed in, and when we get into the hall, all the doors are closed.
1: Yeah. So so, so and the cameras so there. Ju- yeah.
0: Yes. Okay. Yes. So, yes, so we we'll can see. see
2: nothing, and you go from room to room, and the surprise. The always the surprise for me is probably, probably the bedroom. Oh. Where we open bedroom doors and we think, gosh, we've walked into a different home.
3: It's the highlight of the day, each day. What is the main bedroom (laughs) going to be like? Yeah. We take bets.
0: Really? Mm. Yeah, yeah.
3: Is it going to make it or is it going to break it? It often
0: does. In this series, we have a bedroom that has the shower and bath (gasps) in the room. I'm just thinking of steam and everything, but... (laughs) <laughs> but so no spoilers
2: All oh, that soap Body Practicality I think it's there very, ro- a, I think it's very it, romantic
3: There's a trend though We noticed of bathrooms Without walls Yes Yeah,
0: yeah. Bathrooms mm. without walls Yes yeah. so
3: you're Or s-
1: doors
0: Door No doors
3: Walls and doors yeah. Doorless bathrooms So you're sitting there
0: up. Oh the doorless And, and
3: everyone can experience
0: Everything. You in the bathroom <laughs> I oh mean it's When well, you're yeah.
1: lying on the, the bed Drinking your coffee
0: I presume trends We should always avoid the trends Yes. Always. Absolutely. Because?
2: Because your home dates really quickly. So you know the mm. old
0: vertical timber panelling that's hot at the moment? S- the slats. Slats. Yeah. Pfft, they're not going to last. Oh,
2: no, they'll be gone next year.
0: What about those front doors that have like the commercial big long handle, the, the vertical bar?
2: Well, this the problem like a is, you see, when you change doors... Uh, funny enough, at the moment it's very you have very limited yeah. choices. Mm. You do
1: have okay. limited choices, and
2: choice. then you—if you go for a one-off special, yummy door, you—you won't uh, get your rating. It costs a fortune. You won't get your rating. Your, yes, yes. So the there's so everything. Everything is just. It's very interesting at the moment. It's very complicated to build even a single mm. home now. What other trends should we watch well,
3: out for? You see, a design a good, good, good design is timeless, and trends aren't. So that's one of the main reasons. I mean, you should, you should, as I said, kind of understand and work with the home that you have. But a trend that's really going to get you going at twenty to ten in the morning, ask them about the freestanding bath that is just shoved into the tightest corner. <laughs> guaranteed to get a reaction.
0: Literally. You're supposed to be able to walk around the bath. Of course
2: thing. you are. I mean, that, that to me is just mind-blowing. I don't know, like, even Martin, who's quite thin, wouldn't be able to get behind the bath <laughs> to be able to clean it. So, you know, I just, I find that bizarre. It'd be hard to that. clean, wouldn't it? What? It's yeah, impossible. You can't not to... Tall. If it's a, then, shoved against the wall. Yes, yeah, shoved against the wall. And I, the other one that's really on trend at the moment is pretend Crittle
0: Doors. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And you can't have that. It that's keeps a, going. Trend for- Are Crittle Doors... A trend. There's nothing
1: necessarily wrong with crittle in itself. But yeah. it's These are
0: um, the steel frame. Yeah, steel frame black doors. But they're not, yeah. Yeah. Ribbed were, glass or clear glass. They were
3: designed in the industrial period for industrial buildings and they're appropriate to what they were designed for. Not fake ones made with really thick, ugly frames that are installed throughout, everywhere, every type of building. It doesn't make sense because in Well, it does make sense because they're, they're
0: about 10% of the price. A crittle door, I think, could set you back... What Four grand five Four grand use yeah. a, Don't use
3: a, <clears throat> a Crittle door Use a oh, type Jesus. of door That suits a particular Type of context Correct. Use You're a glazed up? door A solid door A timber door Even an upcycle door
0: Oh, so oh, you can upcycle oh. a door all oh. of a sudden. <laughs> it's than standards are slipping really hard. <laughs> um, the TikTok Instagram effect, is that hurt you? Have you noticed that in particularly over the 10 years? I don't know, you've done three, this is your third series? yeah. Even in your time, I would imagine. Oh, it's
1: actually gotten, and every year you're really seeing homes that sometimes you do wonder, are they for reality? Or are they for a vignette or a shot, yeah. you know, on social? And I think that's there's a homogenization in design that's happening globally because yes. of that in lots of different areas. But I do think there's some homes that do feel forced because you feel like they're just kind of it's an edit or a version of, of something pre-existing rather than a homeowner actually personalising like what, it. What do they want? Not yeah. what looks but good. But
2: that's why Home of the Year yeah. is great, because an awful lot, there is no trends yeah. in an awful lot of the homes. It's like this. Blast of personality which I just love. Like they're just you couldn't describe them as having any genre and I just love that as you do indeed Amanda.
1: So, sometimes there's too much personality. You
0: like a complete organised uh, beginning, middle and end to it don't you? Rather than a personality per room. Yeah, ultimately
3: uh, um, the type of design that that, that that I feel comfortable with is one that's, that's, that's you know, as I said, minimalist, restrained, contemporary. But that doesn't mean I can't appreciate any style once it's done well. And ultimately, they always come back. To good design. You know, we've walked into some of these homes and they have been overly packed. But because they're well laid out, because they make most of their orientation, because of the floor to ceiling height, because you can move freely through them, it works and actually makes you feel good. I mean, for me, that's the most enjoyable aspect of the home of year because I know what I like. I know what I appreciate. I know what I do. But it's coming into a home, which is something completely unexpected. Mm. But again, unravel it, unfurl it and look back what makes it like that And it comes down to good design.
0: Someone's actually asking, are any of the homes this year designed by the owners themselves or have they got interior designers and architects to do their home? I love the homes that are modest and feel like a home and not a hotel.
2: That's exactly my Mm. feeling. I love modest.
0: Nobody's laughing.
3: <laughs> no, there's a mixture She's of homes. Here first. There is. There's a mixture of homes where the homeowners, it's taking them 10 years.
0: Sarah's actually speechless.
5: Gosh.
2: So, you know, I just So, can I just wow. say for, for 24, <laughs> Urban Ant, that's the style. So urban aunt is the style for twenty four. Well, when you came from the country and you'd go up and visit oh, your aunt yes. yeah. your aunt and she'd be sophisticated, may well not be married. Sophisticated, not
0: the mad aunt. Which no, a no,
2: sophisticated. House. <laughs> She'd have a stylish furniture, oh, maybe yeah. drink a cocktail. It would be very
0: pot all did together. You have, did you have a cool, sophisticated aunt? I did, my he aunt,
2: Rhoda Cockhill, <laughs> who actually was a concert pianist in RTE, in the orchestra um,
0: here. The elites.
2: Yeah, and she <laughs> she was amazing. She, she used to get the express barge from a Portobello Hotel. Down to Mount Malik, where she went to secondary school. But an amazing woman. But she was my my, uh, urban aunt and she lived, she was exotic. She spoke seven languages and would go to Russia when it was all commies and she was great you know and i think i think so that whole style and genres in big rugs yeah uh, you know exposed which amanda loves exposed brickwork do you know the way you love exposed brickwork in modern houses that's irrelevant
3: i love it i have it in my own house because it makes the structural wall but we've had discussions about where it's applied suddenly out of nowhere so in fact, it's wallpaper, and it doesn't make sense. It's not integral to the overall design of the home. So, why is this here? Where has this come from? Why are they doing it?
1: You stop triggering, well, Amanda. What's well, the I point? I think you have a
0: coo- You didn't have a sophisticated aunt living in a nice,
1: <laughs> drinking um, cocktails. Yeah,
0: drinking cocktails is that the problem? Do we need to go back to childhood, Amanda? <laughs>
3: Well, the thing is that, you know, we know all about Hugh's family tree because he regales it from morning, noon and night into every single home that we go to. There all is right. an aunt
1: in every house.
2: Really, or oh, granny. Or oh, granny. Oh, granny. Oh, I, I granny. seem to have
1: seven grandmas. There's an
2: awful
0: lot of grannies. I
2: don't
3: know so, how i you got know, so I'd, many grannies. I'd be slightly dubious. I wonder if you question that further.
0: <laughs> Down with cushions on beds, says his texture. Oh. Nothing oh, else. Mandy. you're there. Absolutely
3: I, I mean What's not the point push. of cushions on bed You take them off To get into the bed In fact I take pretty much Everything off To get into the bed Even the pillows They're clutter Where do they go When you get into the bed They end on the floor You've got to have Horizontal surfaces To put the cushions on If you don't want them On the floor Getting the dirt from your shoes What is the point What is the point They're, they're on the bed When you're not there I just don't get it.
0: Do you know, nobody in the general election will sound as passionate about that, <laughs> as, <laughs> a, about anything as that That's sequence. i bedroom. Um, cushion, you, oh, you like a cushion? Oh, I, cushion. Love I love
1: cushions. I love throws. I love hide downs. I just, I love dressing. And But it is, it's the designer in me. You know, I think sometimes adding texture. It's great for acoustics. It's lovely for... Well, you're finalize. having a side cover.
0: You're, you're what really you are you laughing the at
2: there? in her? What about the two of us?
0: We've been eliminated. Oh, my God. <laughs> God. I'd say the designer likes putting cushions and things on because it pushes up the bill. <laughs> Dare I say it. Bit of, uh, bit of, bit of balance there. Uh, I love home of the year. I love Hugh's taste and his lovely jumpers. I'd love to give him a hug, says Jane.
2: <laughs> well, I'd love Do to you... hug you, Jane. Oh, that's fair. Well, there I we go. Say, I, you love,
3: her? I love hugging Hugh. They do hug. Yeah,
2: yeah. we do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you yeah. separate Hugh, the hugs? Yeah, Hugh the hug is always
3: so upbeat and fun <laughs> and so much energy. And sometimes, you know, I can remember myself standing on the street in some village somewhere in Ireland and giving out hell. And Hugh stands there and goes, Peppy, 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 gives me a <laughs> hug. And suddenly <laughs> yeah. the world is all right. Gets her going.
2: <laughs> there you go. But we have totally a great good. time filming. Yeah. You know, you've no idea. You like, make me feel like, like I'm
3: ten years of age. Honestly, we we'll giggle like do and we walk around, around the houses, and sometimes we just we actually the cameramen have to instruct us to turn around and oh, talk to each other's <laughs> back of our heads <laughs> oh, yeah, because okay. the giggles. Honestly, we get fits of giggles. <laughs> yeah, I've
1: never laughed so much. You do get to see a lot of Sarah the country. I oh, get sorry, fits yeah. the giggles. we do, I just and we have to. I
2: have to turn my back to her,
1: or they have to get someone else from the production team to stand in because if I look at you, I literally. And oh it's just so And bad. it rises. The
3: hysterics
1: just yeah. rise and rise.
0: There should be um they should have those, those kind of blooper reels be, uh, yeah. during yeah. the credits. Oh, yeah. Collapsing <laughs> if it, although you're probably laugh it'll look like you're laughing at something in someone's
1: nice home. And it's and that's the reality. It's actually never about the ho- it is no. just it's just the crack yeah. Just but one of the, one of the other mm. really good things about Home of the Year is,
3: is the travelling because I mean yeah. we literally yeah. cover the entire country yeah. from north Top side to east yeah. west and you end up being in particular towns or villages that you may have no other reason to be there and for me it's fascinating to see the changing topography and the house types which changes so quickly I remember one year we went from uh, from Donegal down to Sligo down to Leech and we ended up right down in Kinsale mm. and you could see how for such a small country how the impact the change of weather the soil the house some were facing the sea some were turned away from the sea what the homes yeah. were made of and to me that, that that's, that's fascinating and you explore i remember clearly kind of moira a village in northern ireland wow. absolutely beautiful village that was the day actually you gave me a hug because i was just given out on the street yeah, went for a, a walk grumpy. walked up and down the most beautiful craft shops the butchers oh, the castles the butchers, castles. <laughs> the butchers.
2: So so you can, the, can I get the, I, I I butchers. Know, the butchers were fabulous that has the best Oh. pies in Ireland in, in The Butcher and Moira. Amazing. Butcher Moira. And kidney. Yeah. And he's
5: tried every chicken. pie in
2: every a spin-off I sent a spin-off show here. But, but he, he made me go over. Here. I
0: Thank
3: you.
2: did. I made I him go over The Because my mum and dad
3: were delighted with that chicken pie.
2: <laughs> yeah, the chicken pie is just fabulous. So if you're in Moira, don't forget to get the chicken pie. But we have a great time because we also get to travel around to the restaurants in mm. Ireland. And that is amazing oh, right. because there are so many fabulous restaurants, delis. I'm doing one up in, in Donegal Now at the I moment. know the attraction of home Yeah. Really. Hotels. It, you, hotels Four are poster amazing. Beds. Who's d- disco Amanda dares. always gets
1: the bridal suite. I've she never gotten no. it. hilarious. Love the and beds. Like we get photos of like swan, swan. cows. Yeah. yeah,
2: and you love it, don't you? I <laughs> love
1: my four-poster bed. Didn't before f- home. What
0: year is it about you that <laughs> swanning into a hotel? They go immediately bridal suite for this lady. Trouble. They go trouble for here. <laughs> we need a trouble. big room to contain. <laughs> no. uh, Amanda, you're also interested in cars, I believe.
3: Always oh, has been? been. That's actually my first design love as cars since I was very young In my earliest memory of, of being kind of seven or eight and it's because then my family holidays driving all around Ireland I'd look out the window and I learnt off every type, make and model of cars and I was looking at the design and comparing them and that's an interest that's followed through right through. Do you think.
0: have a couple of cars now?
3: I do and... I love ca- modern classic cars, um, and I have a car that I've, I've completely rebuilt. Um, I have a Saab. By yourself? Yeah, no, really? Well, no. I just, <laughs> yeah, I could, okay, very
0: good. I can see well, that. It's a Saab. I have a Saab
3: 9.3 Aero, so the kind of the cliched
0: architect's car. Why is that the architect's car?
3: It's because it's aesthetically beautiful, but also mm. ergonomically, it's the most amazing car I've ever driven, and I'll never Gosh. get rid of it. Now, the cars that I like. But stop making them. They have stopped me, and mine was the last of the run. There was only ten of them left off the road. Spent a couple of years getting it back on, and it's just absolutely beautiful. But it's it's it's, it's the design, it's the power, it's the masculinity of the modern classics. New cars less interested uh, can think of only maybe one or two in the last ten years. But what, I, what are I, those cars? Um, it would be an an i eight. The, the
0: the BMW i eight. The
3: BMW i eight. That's, really? that's the one with the that would. Be, that's and a trend. No, it's not a Here's trend, That's a trend, that's actually. a trend. No. <laughs> oh,
1: no, that's a trend. I don't um, think in fact,
3: I can only think of one. But yeah, anything, the kind of the the the, the, the 90s, like the Lancia Thema Integrale, um, Nissan Bluebirds.
0: The, <laughs> the Nissan Capri. Bluebirds. I love that. Oh. The Ford Capri. It's the boxy. Um, yeah, you're
3: the boxy, the, the masculine. The, the straight lines. The, uh, and there's a run of cars now. My mind's gone blank, but... Um,
0: they're really confounded over here on the cars. Know. Lost all interest.
3: Nissan three hundred and fifty Z. Anything <laughs> well, that no, has I, power. I
2: have my Mercedes. I have my twenty-eight-year-old uh, Mercedes coupe. Oh, that's a gorgeous car. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a. I love it. It's in. I've garage it now for the past three years, so that'll come out next summer.
0: Oh, so you're getting the, you're getting the car done up and the house done up.
2: <laughs> yeah, and, well, yes. <laughs> Yeah, um,
0: We're up-cycling. <laughs> I'm upcycling. I'm upcycling, I'm upcycling, yeah.
3: Yeah, we'll believe it when
2: we see it. So we, we, so well, yeah. Martin, yeah. Poor Martin's demented.
1: <laughs> um,
0: uh, is there ever a tie in scoring, in the scoring someone is asking here? No.
2: No. No.
1: There's actually, that never happens.
2: It's, it's never happened in 10 years.
0: No. So when you, you come down to three houses. Mm-hmm. You're kind well we of
2: don't know which three you see. Are in a show, so the yeah, production you, ma- yeah, production yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: makes them all up. So you've already decided uh, your score. We, no, no, no. we haven't
2: scored the no, no. The the production decides which three houses go into yes, okay. a particular. But mm-hmm. well, by the
0: time they decide the three, you already have kind of you've given we, your verdicts. Isn't yeah, that? yeah, oh, but, yeah. Yes. but we
2: only get to know. The result Ah, on on the day, deliberation day. Sorry, on score day, which is just amazing. And then the next day is deliberation day. Amanda, like yeah, Amanda mm. arrives on her broom, so it's fine. Well, you know, it's it's,
3: it's it's always two against one, so it takes a full day to decide on a winner. And I, you know, give it my Does all. You? And I mean, you're 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 up against these two. You have to shout louder. You know, you have to push harder. Have you got <laughs>
0: Have you got some rules? Because I presume outside the house, the gardens and so on, that they're out of
2: no, 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 it's like, all they, okay. no, no, they're being. The only rule we have is we never discuss the scores we mm.
0: gave to a house. Exactly. Yeah. A- among your, okay. okay. Among so, a, so we'd, we'd never know absolute, what the others have given. Yeah, until so that no, day no. we're it's standing then you have in the rivalry. Rivalry. Yeah. yeah. yeah um, and that's,
1: that's
2: a great rule. Because then there really is genuine excitement and disappointment, as I say, on that day. Because you're going... And shock. And shock. Mm. There is shock.
3: You're unfolding that squirrel. You're seeing which houses are in the episode. And then you see what you scored, what Sarah scored. And then you turn around to and then all hell breaks loose. Yeah.
0: Incredible. But it starts tonight. Uh, hashtag H-O-T-Y. So hotties. 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 So thank We're you. hotties. hotties. <laughs> to Amanda, Sarah and Hugh, thank you so much. Good luck with Home Thanks of the Year 2024. Uh, congratulations on 10 years. Thank you. To, thank you. To make it this far. And um, I hope nobody gets anything less than, may no one get less than a seven. <laughs> <laughs> We're back after these. Email oliver at orte.ie. Former Mies footballer and all-star Geraldine Doherty. Uh, welcome to studio. When did you win your all-star? Um, a
4: long time ago. <laughs>
0: 2005, Oliver. It's an exciting time in your life because I believe you're about to become a mum for the first time.
4: Yeah, of course. Yeah, my wife is due in April. That's Leslie. I met
0: outside she's a great
4: former She is She lot. wasn't so good coming up in the car <laughs> <laughs> There was nearly a few stop offs <laughs> Seriously Honestly I uh, think I'll be having the next one <laughs> <laughs> That's how the discussion is going at the moment isn't it? Definitely <laughs> you
0: know it? Uh, Listen we, we saw we were intrigued by your story you spoke to the Meads Chronicle recently and you were talking about coming out and you want other people to come out but I want to find out a little bit about you before we get into all yeah, of that of course. Uh, particularly your footballing history because it's been an interesting week uh, and we'll We'll also come into that. But you played football for Meath. Um, What era are we talking about? Yeah,
4: well, uh, the 2000s, I suppose. Mm. Yeah, um, would have played underage, under 14, all the way up to senior. Yeah, so had good enough success. Unfortunately, we never got over the line compared to the last few years with Meath. Unbelievable lately, yeah. yeah. it really has and. Being from the county, seeing the ladies went to All-Irelands. It's just, it's what dreams are made of. It's just been brilliant.
0: So you would have uh, stopped about 10 years ago? Yeah, I probably 11?
4: stopped. Yeah, I nearly forget a few injuries. I was in and out. Yeah, maybe 2014, maybe, yeah.
0: 2005 is your all-star. Yeah. A, I, I would have thought, you know, yeah. <laughs> I should have had a few more. never forget that, that moment. <laughs> uh, but it is amazing because me won the first All-Ireland uh, oh, two, two or three years ago? Is yeah, 20, 21,
4: yeah, and 22.
0: Which was significant because obviously Dublin and Cork have been so dominant in the last 20 years I think Honestly. 16, 17 all Ireland's between them
4: Yeah definitely um,
0: What position, position did you play?
4: I was a forward lazy corner forward didn't like coming out to defend <laughs> that was me <laughs>
0: <laughs> They were the good old days of football wasn't <laughs> yeah, exactly, it? where it's like you stayed were. in your position and yeah. let the halfbacks do, do their job <laughs> You uh, said it. So you were you were kind of a, a sparky forward, were you? you yeah, go, well, wouldn't? I'd
4: like to think so. Now other people mightn't think the same. <laughs> but uh, I was left-footed, so I probably used to put people off a bit. OK,
0: it's going <laughs> to be playing that wing. Yeah. And um, your club, what part of me are we talking we're about?
4: We're outside Nav in Bohormean, um Club is St. Dalton's. Very close up because everything is outside in Avon when it
0: comes to Mead. Oh well, yeah, of course a, it is. Avon's the
4: city in Mead.
0: When you're playing ladies football in your, because you're talking late nineties uh, up to twenty tens, I suppose. You know, is it still kind of seen as the poor, very poor cousin at that stage? Because things seem to have changed a lot in recent times.
4: Yeah, it really has. Hasn't it, Oliver? Yeah. Definitely. Massive. Yeah, which is great to see. Absolutely, and you know and. The the support and little getting behind the the mm. game everything it's it's really everything is really positive at the moment.
0: So in your heyday as an intercounty player, did you feel the sort of
4: um, the I don't know yeah well maybe when you look at things now and the organisation and the set up and I suppose the money that's pumped into county teams now we wouldn't have had that Yeah. you know but there's no regrets I mean it was great fun there wasn't probably as much pressure you were drinking coming home on the buses from matches you know it wasn't yeah, a serious and that would be the same in the men's yeah, as well wouldn't it yeah you, know, you know good days
0: it's gone a bit kind of semi-professional in many ways yeah
4: definitely the, the
0: boom obviously has a huge impact on the men's game with the just gigantic Sponsorships, and you know, even the GA themselves have admitted that um, managers at nearly every single level, club, county, and every division are being paid, and so on. I mean, ladies' football must feel very that that, that cr- kind of widened the gap, I presume, even more.
4: Yeah, it probably has definitely, but you know, I. There, look, it's all, it's all it's all positive, Oliver. You know, I think people do it for the love of the game and that's what I love about Gaelic. You know, uh, it really is for the love of the game, for the love of your club. So, you know, people love volunteering as well and uh, that's what it's all about.
0: It's funny that you kind of, you, you just said that you didn't really, you had just gone on with the game, didn't you? You didn't really notice
4: the sort of uh, differences. No, you really didn't, team. I suppose. And in Mead we're a great footballing county, so mm. you would have always had good support with football in general. Uh, you know, yeah. obviously not the same crowds but I, it's definitely improving and it's going to get there. You can see the different crowds in the All-Irelands now. It's 50,000, 60,000 for a ladies game, which is, it's unbelievable how far it's come.
0: Yeah. In, in, your, in your heyday, would have, the crowds have been very small?
4: Oh, maybe 20,000, 30,000. I never got that far. <laughs> so <laughs> we, we maybe had 20 or 30 people there. Fair enough to but, get an all-star. You, so you know, kind of it was. It was great.
0: I was reading there that uh, this year will be 50 years since the first ladies um, football All-Ireland final. Wow. And I don't know if you know much about it, it was in Doro, in Leash, right. a couple of hundred people in a Tipperary won it by a point, uh, Tip 2 3, Offaly 2 2, uh, 1974. So it, it's kind of nice that this kind of merging of the Gaelic Games Associations has now begun finally.
4: Yeah, it's a it's a long time coming, isn't it, Oliver? And I suppose we've heard about it, a lot of it in the last few years dual players really struggling to play both sports, which it's lovely to see now it coming together and ease up the schedule for them, hopefully, that they can play both sports. Is, is
0: that because of the fact that it's become a, a little bit more serious?
4: Yeah, maybe so. The high I am. Yeah, that's probably it, Oliver. Yeah, definitely.
0: Uh, I, I remember going to see Monaghan because we won back to back All Irelands in the nineties, and right. my memory of it is that the crowds were quite good in Crook Park at that time. 95, 96 I think, is when Monaghan, and there was there was a there was a, Waterford were very strong as well at the time, and Leash.
4: Yeah, of course, I
0: remember. Uh, but the crowds are kind of they're, they're phenomenal now, aren't they? Yeah,
4: of course. I was probably had a couple of them All Irelands, and the crowds yeah. weren't too bad, but nothing compared to in the last you know five to six years.
0: We're not having such a heyday in Monaghan anymore.
4: <laughs> oh, don't worry. It goes around in circles. You'll definitely make a comeback. We're out
0: of the senior at the minute. Uh, but it, it's fascinating. So tell us about your story as uh, as a player, because once you, you hang up your boots, uh, what you want to still be involved in the GA? What happens?
4: Yeah, honestly, um, I think, yeah, it's lovely to be part of a team environment. I helped out with uh, Dunchocklin Royal Gales for a few years uh, senior ladies club so I really enjoyed that uh, for the last three years they were senior champions this year so which was great and then I suppose I thought I was taking a year out uh, baby on the way but got the phone call from uh, the manager Martin in St. Dalton's, Monaghan man actually Oh is that right? Yeah Monaghan Martin Hughes Uh, so um, got the call and I actually couldn't say no Um, Leslie's brother and cousin plays on the team so I'm delighted to be involved with the guys. So I, I really so couldn't you're a selector. Of it. I'm a selector on that team, yeah.
0: That's a kind of big moment as well in the history of, of the men's sport because so few women involved, which yeah, is crazy. Yeah, definitely.
4: Really. Definitely. I think it's, it's going to come in the next few years, definitely. But... It, when the opportunity came up, I knew it was kind of, yeah, I knew it was something very different. And uh, I couldn't say no. It's, a, you know, it was a great honour to be asked. So have you, you've started? We've started, yeah. Now I haven't got stuck in properly myself yet, <laughs> but definitely the lads are training hard. They've been training since November. So uh, they're really training hard now. The last few weeks they're putting in a huge effort. So it's, I'm looking forward to the to the months coming the selector job is
0: <laughs> is a tough enough one, isn't it? Because over the years you go, oh yeah, selector's related to that person, this person. <laughs> yeah, you, well, that's you've it. outlined already a couple of connections. <laughs> that's and it. the pressure to kind of select the person you know, is uh, Yeah,
4: it? of course. And yeah. if
0: they happen to be the person who should be selected, then you just get uh, stick anyway.
4: <laughs> you do, so you, can't you win. Do. You probably can't win, but you know, that's the love of the game. And not everyone's going to be happy with selections. And look, you just get on with it. You go to the pub afterwards, have a drink and all is forgotten hopefully. (laughs) Will it make a difference being a woman doing it? Um, I I really have to say I've had such a warm welcome. I don't even think the bat and eyelid the lads. It's been lovely and I know Cora Staunton is below in Mayo. She's setting the tone. So, Look, at, it's only a matter of time before more women get involved and get asked.
0: Because I think, is there any one woman who's the chair of a county board at the moment in Tyrone? OK. She's still up there. Uh, they were talking about referee, referees, sideline. It's just improving a small bit, isn't it?
4: Definitely. Yeah, yeah. there is. There you is could, definitely more involvement from the female side of things. Definitely
0: do with female umpires. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know... Sometimes you see uh, the, the, the little consultation goes on. I go, did you see what happened there? What
4: happened. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> women you'd ne- you'd women know best, Oliver. Women know so. best.
0: I think so. Um, there's a message in here already asking, can anyone out there or your listeners explain why the new mileage rate from the GA for players going training is 50 cent for female players, 70 cent for men? Are you familiar with this? Why is there a difference between how is this calculated? That's from Adrian and Galway. Adrian Devan. So I mean if anyone out there has an explanation for the for very weird discrepancies. Yeah,
4: it is like 20 cent there in the difference, you know, but as we said earlier, it's probably the money being pumped into certain counties and maybe more on That's the mayor side.
0: So it's literally got to do with the amount of money available. So maybe the the kind of merging will will because it'll create that living well level hopefully language. yeah isn't that isn't that the idea yeah of course um, I want to ask you your feelings on that by the way I know it's it's a big political sort of a thing but. In, uh, in ladies football groups in your circles are chatting? Have they been hoping for this moment for years? Yeah. Or would they have liked to have been remained independent as their own organisation?
4: No, I think this is really positive, definitely. And as I said, I know players that have to had to give up Camogie, had to choose football or Camogie. So it's it's really positive for the players. Yeah. So,
0: it's, so it's, everyone's kind of happy happy about it. How did you meet Leslie, your missus?
4: Well she plays with St. Alton's too so we didn't have to look too far which was great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's kind of handy then isn't it? Very <laughs> handy
4: both from the same parish so it was it was it worked out well. But I suppose well
0: did, were you out publicly together at the time or did you sort of have to do the side stepping are you uh, are e- you
4: this way I'm this way are you not? I was probably I was definitely out I'm older obviously so I was out the few years before Leslie. so yeah maybe I, I think she did all the running, <laughs> okay. so um, yeah, no, definitely. We probably started hanging out then a bit. So then, yeah, things matured, as you'd say. A lovely and
0: natural love story. That just
4: yeah, well, sometimes
0: <laughs> don't ruin it now. Exactly. You're, you're, too
4: down, you're too far, too far in.
0: Too far in. But you know, with rural Ireland, uh, you're a GA player. Was it difficult coming
4: out? No, I d- um, look. I really struggled. I was in my late twenties when mm. I you know, accepted who I was. So then when I eventually came out to family and friends, they were so supportive, you know, and I really had the back and of them all. So I was so lucky and I felt that the LGFA, the gay community is, you know, it is really supportive and really encouraging and really inclusive. It's a lovely environment to be in. So I feel like that it's, it's very easy to come out in that kind of uh, yeah.
0: environment. How do you do it with your team? Do you go one did you go one on one or do you do it in the in I think you just like
4: um you like Chinese whispers go around <laughs> do? no announcements. yeah I think I just told my family and friends and then you know everyone just kind of caught everyone kind of catches on then eventually But it's
0: a big day when you do that isn't it particularly with your family mm. Do you remember that?
4: I do, Oliver. Yeah, I really do. Um, I really struggled with it. I really did. Yeah. Um, I suppose I remember crying in the car to my mum, uh, telling her, okay. you know, that I really, you know, and it's hard for parents to hear. And and I always remember that day, actually, in particular, um, she was worried about me not having a family. And yeah. it's actually lovely now to, you know, she's going to see that, so, which is, is really nice.
0: For sure. It's amazing the amount of people that come out to parents in the car. <laughs> are you serious is the car moving at the time
4: I suppose it's n- no eye contact <laughs> yeah. is
0: that what it is it must
4: yeah. be and maybe it's easy to talk in the car sometimes
0: and there's also the end of the conversation because you leave the car there's <laughs> yeah, something about there's a psychology it. it must be uh, so the two years are probably in floods of tears
4: oh yeah definitely and look it, it was it was I it really just you need to be your true self don't you really I was mm. living a lie for so long and I suppose I was always the loud the funny the humorous one but sure I was just, you know, underneath it all. I was, you know, really struggling myself. What
0: did that struggle look like?
4: That's exactly what I said, Oliver. Like I was always the loud one at football training, the funny one. And, you know, underneath when the doors are closed. Yeah, I really, really did struggle, I suppose, just yet to admit it to myself. Hmm. Fear? Fear. Yeah, embarrassment, maybe. Worried about being judged. And yeah, they were probably the feelings.
0: It's mad when you look back at it, isn't it?
4: Yeah, it is. And it's only now in the last few years that I actually can really talk about it. Go away. Yeah, it's truthfully, yeah.
0: Did you need help?
4: Um, no, no. I really talked, talking as therapy. I really talked to all my friends. My friends were so good and my family. And once I had them, I was good.
0: It's interesting when gay men are coming out, it's the dad that they fear the most. Right. For for women, is, is it the mam?
4: Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm not in my uh, case. I, you know. But when you were kind of fear, fearful of that. Yeah, I was... suppose I told my man first, and yeah. But the the dads are probably soft; they probably accept it quicker. <laughs>
5: <laughs> but uh, no, be grand.
4: I know. I was lucky; I didn't have to worry about that. Who I spoke to, you know, I'm quite close. I'm close to both of them. That's great.
0: And uh, how long are you married now?
4: We're married. I'm um, after COVID, a year and a half. Yeah.
0: Always oh, one of the the COVID. Well, we had delayed to delay it a,
4: cu- a cup for a couple of years. We had it in the backyard and actually a TP tent. Oh, really? So we were expecting a crowd. So really, we didn't want anyone wearing masks. So yeah, we held it off. I
0: totally agree. We did the same thing. You don't want at the wedding guests yeah, of course, doesn't it? It was worth waiting for. There's already a support message going. Geraldine, such a lovely lady, great role model for others. Wishing herself and Leslie every success in motherhood. That's from Peter in Wicklow. And um, Mary, Mary Coughlin is the chair chair of Donegal GA now. Maureen from mohill has informed us. Oh, brilliant. In, in Leitrim, they know these things. Of course. So it's exactly as you're saying, it's improving... Little by little.
4: Of course.
0: Um, how long are yourself and Leslie together, by the way?
4: We're uh, going into our 11th year. Yeah.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It's a long, long relationship. Um, brilliant interview with Geraldine. Can she come join our club? <laughs> Love her energy, says Sinead. You seem to be in demand now.
4: <laughs> I don't know about that. Select
0: her and everything else. Uh, it's a huge thing to come out as a GA player, as we said, and we, we, we heard you talking about the struggles with it. Uh, Donal Cusack. it was 2009, can you believe? It was 15 years ago this year. Uh, how many men have come out, GA circles, since then? Zero, isn't
4: it? Yeah, well, not too many. I've since looked up a couple of articles of club players coming out, mm. and they're actually brilliant. If anyone is struggling, they're brilliant articles. I think a club player in Leash and a club player in Wicklow right. have been interviewed, but no winter county footballers or hurlers have come out since Stonelogue which is such a shame really
0: it is because they're obviously they're fear, they're suffering the fear and embarrassment that we're talking about and uh, like the GA, which was actually quite involved in the uh, the equal marriage campaign. I remember some retired intercounty players, a fellow from Donegal, I can't think of his name offhand. Okay, but it was quite instrumental, you know, because it was just look, let's just get on with our lives, and there's nothing to fear here. Yeah, and I do remember, uh, I think there was a club final, wasn't there? A captain's speech in, in Dublin as well, where they where they thanked all the wives. Girlfriends and boyfriends of the team.
4: Brilliant, but
0: they're they're still kind of the exception, aren't they?
4: Yeah, they and, are. And
0: uh, What do you say? So you kind of think there should be. We're, what are you saying to to men in the GA at the moment?
4: I I suppose look, like what we're after, as you're saying, what we're after, chatting about. You'd love to say, you know, be true to yourself. You know, you're going to get the support. Um, it's a really good environment to come out into the ga. I've heard David Clifford talk about it. I've heard the top players speak yeah. about having a teammate in the dressing room who is gay. That there would be no issue. It's it's a, like a big family, and the support is there for them.
0: It's like the safest place because you're in among your own community. Eamon McGee was the was the player. Right. That, uh, I just momentarily forgot his name there. Brilliant. Um, yeah, because there's, there's huge support for them. And it's not just players at inter-county level. I mean, there are banished doors, there are uh, officials and so on. David Goff, obviously, famously is an out uh, referee and uh, in rugby as well as the referees first. Yeah. And actually in rugby in Leinster, I think there are two out players. Yeah. Um, one Nick, by and one,
4: yeah. Yeah, Neil McCarty, is Nick it? Nick
0: McCarty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the, so the, the rugby seems to be leading on the this in the men's front yeah. uh, But the fellas I mean you, do you know privately of men who who are kind of out and maybe just not making a media splash about no, it No
4: I, I really don't Same I, here. I don't know one male yeah. gah footballer. you know of all the players that we know I don't know any What is wrong yeah, I suppose we, we do. We have to educate our, our younger kids, you know. Do we have to make it an environment, as you said, talk about it, boyfriends, girlfriends, make it comfortable, you know, and, and try and destigmatize it, really.
0: Yeah, it's kind of what are they afraid of. There's obviously an element, isn't there, of the masculinity thing, which is coming through the crowd and into the team.
4: Yeah, of course. And I know there... It's a macho place, let's face it. Yeah, it probably is a macho place. And it's funny, I was chatting to my uh, 13-year-old nephew the other day and and kids are amazing and you know and I just asked him what would he how would he feel about you know playing with and get a boy that was gay and he not a bother and yeah. you know would support him and you know kids are amazing and yeah, maybe They're way ahead of us They're way ahead of yeah. us <laughs> and maybe we have to go to them for <laughs> advice
0: uh, So you're you're encouraging me good to hear from them I, I did hear the two Johnnies on their podcast I think about two years ago and they got a few letters from GA players afraid to come out Okay So maybe there's an avenue there with Der- the two because through comedy is a good way to do it <laughs> well that's it uh, so hopefully we'll hear and by the way we're open to the message as well and we'll we'll treat the stories anonymously oliver.rt.ie is the email 51551 is the text uh, tell us about your decision to become parents because that's a big that's a big moment as well
4: yeah it, it was really I suppose we had always chatted about it Leslie was always the one that was going to be carrying first, anyhow. How
0: does, that, how does that conversation
4: go? It just, we always thought, she always was happy to carry. So I didn't mind. I let her off. <laughs>
0: That's because you're grad, you can do it.
4: <laughs> exactly. She's much stronger than me. Um, but maybe we started the journey um, in June. So it's been quite, it's been, it's had its up and downs, definitely. It's not an easy place. Really? Um, IVF, yeah, really. We have an appreciation for anyone that goes through it now. I suppose we were very naive. You know, we didn't really know anyone who had done it. Thankfully, we had no family who needed to go through the process but it's been amazing and, you know, we're very lucky. So, what did you learn along the way? You know, I suppose Leslie started taking her medication in June and, and you know, mentally and, and physically, the effects of the medication on her body were unbelievable, you really? know, yet yeah, really, really tough.
0: So, this is before becoming pregnant, is before
4: it? Before coming pregnant, yeah. yeah, and obviously, yes. And how does it affect? She was very emotional. She's a very outgoing person. Yeah. uh, Wasn't feeling herself very down. I suppose you're pumping hormones into your body. It's Mm -hmm. probably, it's unnatural, you know. But look, we knew hopefully that we were keeping our fingers crossed that it was going to be all worth it. And thankfully it is.
0: And through the IVF route, so it's it's not the easiest thing in the world.
4: Not the easiest thing. I don't want to put anyone off. Definitely, mm. but it, it you know I suppose it it isn't the easiest thing. It, it, apart from the expense of it, it, it isn't easy, but it, it is well worth it. But definitely would lean on. I'd lean on family and friends for support because you really will need it.
0: Would you start differently? Would you maybe try to seek? Well, how do you seek out people? No, you don't.
4: Uh, it's funny. Did yeah. you
0: use IVF by any chance? <laughs> Can you help us out here? Yeah, you?
4: exactly. And it's funny, since um, Leslie has put up a couple of stories on Instagram yeah. and she's already helping out a couple of couples going through it, So, which has been great. Really? Yeah.
0: Oh, she's a dynamo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
4: telling you, there's no stopping her. <laughs>
0: she's still pregnant, but yeah, she's helping everyone else along the way. You mentioned the expense. Yeah. Is it? it it's, excru- it's, a, it's a big cost.
4: it is it is costly we've been very lucky that um it has worked first time for us but obviously if it doesn't course, work you're going back course, again yeah. yeah definitely
0: and once the um the effects of 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 the hormones and everything I mean it does it get easier for for Leslie oh yeah it it, of course
4: it, it she did so well she's she's very strong so she she was brilliant um then you're injecting yourself which is another part of it but it, it is, it is all worth it.
0: And of course, in the background, you, you're you're both working. Mm-hmm. What what do you do for?
4: I'm a social care worker in St John of Gods. Oh right,
0: God, you've got your work cut out for you.
4: <laughs> yeah, so we're busy. We both. Um, Lesley works for Aer Lingus. Um, she's cabin crew. Oh wow. So okay. yeah, we're both kind of shift work. So yeah, yeah.
0: it's a social care worker. That's not a, that's that's a vocational job. Business. Yeah,
4: of course. Um, I work with people with special needs, um, residential.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, you love it, obviously. Yeah,
4: yeah, I do. I really enjoy it. Of course, it's tough work, but know, I have a lovely staff team, lovely guys I work with, so I'm very lucky.
0: Look, you've got you've got it all covered. <laughs> <laughs> you're becoming you a mum. I wish you the very best of luck. Uh, you're, uh, the, the, you're due to become a mum in April, very soon. April, yeah. Okay.
4: There'll be but, no uh, more interviews after this, Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> this will
0: be the last we'll hear from you. But don't forget, you're still a selector for Ulton's. Exactly. Uh, look, we wish you the best of luck, and uh, I can't believe you've gone through all of that, and yet you're still here trying to save the world and save men from themselves. So uh, thanks a million, Gerald Darting, the best of luck to, to Leslie Buchanan, um, uh, and everyone in all. Thank and, you so uh, much. You know, forget the Nepo babies. Yeah, exactly. 5155 <laughs> <laughs> five, five I think we'll take, we take a tune now out of this. Geraldine, good luck to you. Up me. Thank you, Oliver.
1: <laughs> Oliver Callan on RTE Radio 1.
0: Now where do I want to go to next? I want to go to John Galliano. He was the world's most famous fashion designer for time. He was outrageous, bombastic, intolerable, brilliant all at once. Then he exploded in a Paris rant about Hitler. Videos shot on mobile phones brought him crashing down to earth in 2011. Where has he been since? Well Kevin MacDonald has made High and Low John Galliano and he brings it uh, this week to the Dublin International Film Festival. You'll know Kevin as the director of The Last King of Scotland also from Touching the Void. Both of them Oscar winners. He's done an amazing job again here. He's on the line. Welcome, Kevin. Hi, how are you doing? This, in terms of cancel culture, uh, the fall of John Galliano, it's virtually prehistoric in many ways, isn't it?
5: It is. That's one of the reasons, actually, I was so interested in it, because it's one of the very first people who's cancelled because of something that's shot on a mobile phone. I think what when did the, the, the iPhone came out? In Like 2008, this happened in 2011. So, But what's amazing is there's so much footage of him at the time of this particular incident when he made these this anti-semitic rant and around that time so people were already kind of using it to film celebrities with
0: and i mean it's an incredible moment uh, he's like the original person to be cancelled in in this way
5: yeah i think that's that, that that's it and i was i i first came up with the idea for this film during lockdown and i was just reading all of these stories about Hollywood people who were being cancelled. Yes. And I was thinking, what happens to you after you're cancelled? How do you come back? How do we as a society, in a kind of largely post religious society, how, do, how does the mechanism of forgiveness work? And um, somebody introduced me to Galliano and said, you know, he would be an interesting person because he, this incident happened 10 years before. He's still kind of persona non grata in certain circles. Um, but he's also come back and, and he's come back working for this very cool label called Maison Margiela. But Maison Margella's kind of uh, USP in a way is that it's all very anonymous. You never see the designer. And of course that suits you if you've been, if you've been canceled. <laughs> so, um, but then I got in touch with John, and really, the, you know, a film that started off as being a, about the idea of cancer, cop just became really a film about this character and his extraordinary story and how he ended up having this big meltdown.
0: The key to, obviously, your documentary are your interviews with him. And they're just so intimate. Uh, I felt he was almost in the room. Uh, you chose, obviously, to do that particularly, have him looking down the lens using that technique.
5: Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that in some ways the film is a kind of confession by him. Mm-hmm. I suppose I did think of calling the film The Confession to John Galliano. <laughs> yeah. But actually, um, if it's not a confession, it's something like being in court with him. You know, he's like the witness on the stand. Yeah. And I think I wanted the audience to be feeling like they are making a judgment of him. They are looking him in the eyes and thinking, do I trust you? Do, you know, do I believe the emotion that you're giving off about this? I think it makes for, a you know, really compelling... A really compelling interview, but also it means it's a film which I think audiences come out of and they're debating it, they're arguing over what do I think of him? Is he is he somebody who should be forgiven? Shouldn't he be forgiven? Do I believe what he says about it having had a blackout? You know, he can't remember what happened because he was a, he was a blackout drinker. Um, but at the same time, I think you know you're forced to confront the humanity of this person, and we're all used to I think these days to judging everyone and writing them off. But actually, of course. Even the greatest sinner is a human being and um, you will grow to find him charismatic and likeable and brilliant. But you, I guess, are confronted with the idea of, well, maybe I can think that he's all those things, but also think he said something unforgivable. How do I cope with that Mm -hmm. that dilemma in a way?
0: I gather you, when you were interviewing him, it's it's quite at length, multiple days, I believe. And there's no PR people or he has no spin doctors around him at the time?
5: No, it's one of the things I really, really admired about him and obviously liked about making the film was that usually, obviously, when people are in this kind of situation, they have PR coming out of their ears and they have crisis PR people in the room with them, um, whispering in their ear or, or stopping the interview and saying, what about this, what about that? I, says, I don't want to go down that line of questioning. With John, everything was done directly, just me phoning him up and saying, oh, can we meet you next Sunday at your house and do some interviewing? He would say yes or no, I'm around, I'm not around. And he was just really trying to be himself. There was no intermediaries. There was no sense of caution about anything. There was nothing off limits. And just that, the the simple humanity of that is really... I think striking, and I think particularly when we're so used now to these celebrity films, like you know the Beckham film, um, which are controlled by the celebrities, you Absolutely. know, made by their yeah. made by their production companies to make them look fantastic, and they do make them look fantastic, and they're yeah. very entertaining. But but I think it's there's something about you know, documentary should not be um, from the point of view of the subject of the documentary. I think you know, it's an old-fashioned,
0: it's an abused term, documentary, in that regard, isn't it? <laughs>
5: yeah, I think that's fair.
0: Yeah. This is, is definitely objective. It must have been difficult to maintain that objective lens having spent so much time with them.
5: Yeah, of course. You know, you create a human connection with people and that's that's natural. And I guess the audiences take, take that into account. But it, I think the uh, the thing I've been struck with with this film is every time I've shown it at a festival, it's coming out in cinemas in about three weeks, but it's playing some festivals before that. But And we have the most incredible... Arguments, ding-dongs, discussions, debates afterwards, and a lot of people have said to me, "This is I haven't, I haven't discussed a film like this um, with my friends afterwards uh, in a long, long, long time. Yeah. I haven't discussed it in this really intense way because I think it brings up so many of the issues around that we're all that are in the ether at the moment, not just cancel culture, but also forgiveness and the notion of how do you forgive people and obviously the notion of anti-Semitism. Where does that come from? And obviously, particularly at the moment with what's going on in Israel and Gaza, anti-Semitism is rife. Yes, you've landed this
0: subject at such an amazing time. Can, Can you remind people just how huge John Galliano was? Because the footage of his catwalk performances are quite astonishing.
5: Yeah, he was the enfant terrible. Of the British fashion scene in the eighties and early nineties, he won the British Fashion Designer of the Year three times. I think when he was still under under twenty six, and uh, each time he won it, he would then promptly go bankrupt the next year because he was a hopeless businessman. And <laughs> and Britain really wasn't able to to sustain you know really creative designers. There wasn't the, the sort of industry or the backing. So. Um, he was taken in 1994 to Paris and he became the first British designer in over 100 years to head up a big couture house. And that was Givenchy and he was there for a year and then he was given the big job, which is head designer at Dior, which is obviously pretty much one of the two or three most influential, most famous design houses in the world. And he was there for Uh, 15 years and during that time that's the boom in the fashion industry you know fashion turned from being this kind of uh, thing that was for a few old rich ladies (laughs) and (laughs) and maybe a few movie stars into being something that everybody aspired to wearing and if you couldn't wear the clothes then you'd wear the you'd you'd get the lipstick or you'd get the perfume whatever and and, and they started selling this dream on global scale and the Chinese got involved Japanese got involved and it become obviously now you know Bernard Arnault who owns both Givenchy and uh and Dior and many many other brands um he's the richest man in the world mm-hmm. I mean that's that's how huge this industry is and John and then Alexander McQueen who came just a year or two after him and took his job at Givenchy they were the kind of the um entertainment factor at the front of his huge this huge industry that he was creating they were the people who were the Talked about in the press, you know, they, they were scandalous. They were outrageous. They they, they dress people in crazy ways. They these shows that were like cost millions of dollar, millions of dollars yeah. were talked about for days and days, and you know. And John, at the end of every show, would come out himself in an outrageous costume, and sort of take the applause of the world, everyone on their feet. And I mean, it was absolutely massive. When you see a fashion show today, you know you're seeing something that's a, you know a really a pale comparison to what what was going on in the heyday in the '90s and the early 2000s when when, when John and Alexander McQueen were in there. In their prime.
0: It's incredible just to capture the excess of, of that wealth in the 90s. His, he was helping to generate annual profits, it says, of £588 million a year for Dior. So he he was just, um, he was an outrageous character. And then that moment happens where it all comes crashing down.
5: Yeah, and that that what the film does is that it shows you for the first sort of half this incredible talent, this incredible life. There's also some pain in his personal life, Um which explains a lot, um, but he develops like a lot of people do. He develops a when they're in those positions of stress and celebrity, um, he developed a, a, a terrible drink and drugs habit. It's a familiar story, you know. In some ways, mm-hmm. this story is uh, it, 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 the first half of it is quite familiar. It's the it's the it's the Amy Winehouse or the Whitney Houston films, you know. It's it's it's. it's rise from nowhere incredible success and then a crash to the ground which usually ends in in death which is what happened obviously to to, to the those two singers but also to alexander mcqueen yeah. um who was who is john's great uh, competitor i guess but um the strange thing about this film about john's story is that it has a fourth act it's not just those three acts it's a fourth act which is the inconvenient and embarrassing act where you have to explain what you did and you have to go on and think well how do i live my life now how do i how do i explain to everyone and how do i get forgiveness um and so that, I think, is the thing that ultimately made this quite hard film to make it's, it's a kind of awkward fourth act. It's an awkward bit, oh, he should, he should be dead, this guy. He treated himself so badly. Yeah, he behaved so badly, but he's not. And so the last sort of third of the film is really about what happened after this. And it's we talked to John gave us access to everybody in his life, you know, his family, his therapists, his addiction counselor, his lawyer, everybody speaks in the film. Kate Moss, Naomi Campbell, all these people speak in the film. And so I think it's about as rounded a um, an image of somebody that you, that, that you can get.
0: It, I mean, interviewed with people, we wouldn't uh, see popping up in documentaries like Anna Wintour and, of course, Mr. Arnold himself. I mean, I presume the name mm. John Galliano made it easier to open these usually unopenable doors.
5: Well, to an extent, but of course, also it was quite... <laughs> for some people, it's quite sensitive and tricky, yeah. Um, they don't want to be associated with him and there were people who said no but then I was surprised a lot of people like Charlie theron mm. or as I said naomi Campbell those people who, who Penelope Cruz they all wanted to be a part of it because they all adored John personally and in a way put put themselves a little bit of heart, uh, the, the way of some risk here because mm-hmm, yeah. you know it's it's um it's not always a, a, a good thing to be to be seen to be supporting someone who's who's looked at as an anti-semite but I think they all feel so strongly that this that was not the real job. And ultimately, that's the question that I think really fascinated me the most was, you know, how do we ever know really what's going on inside somebody else's mind? When somebody says something, does something awful, how can we ever know why they did it, why they said it, whether they're really sorry about it afterwards or whether they should be forgiven? You know, you don't know. Everybody else is a kind of, is a, is a black box. Mm-hmm. And, and And so there's a kind of mystery story about the film in the end.
0: Yes, and I think one of the decisions you make—it's uh, very creative. It's a brilliant decision was to intersperse his life story with clips from a 1927 silent film that he adored. Tell us about
5: that. Yeah, so so the very first time I I talked to John, we were speaking about the inf- you know, influences on his early work, and he, he went to the St Martin's Art School, and um, I was saying, you know, what what sort of things did you did did you draw inspiration from? And he said, oh, there was this film. Abel Gance's Napoleon, this sort of epic um, silent movie from 1927, which I happen to have seen and really loved. It's, it's famously inventive cinematically inventive and it's it was actually you know i think they're restoring it again now the french cinematheque and there's going to be like an eight-hour version coming out <laughs> of <okay>. Can can <laughs> this year um but this but this film he saw the, an earlier restoration that's the great film historian kevin brownlow did with an orchestra and it was on on, on the south bank center here in london all the way through his career, John has drawn on this influence. And not only that, but he has dressed like Napoleon. So many times in his, at the end of his shows, when he went out onto the catwalk himself, yeah. he'd often dress up as Napoleon or wear Napoleon t shirt So I began to think, ah, oh, there's some connection there between him and Napoleon. And, and that film offers a kind of entertaining counterpoint, I guess, to a serious story. And you see his, you see John, um, uh, you know, john's story being reflected in the story of the young napoleon who like john who came from gibraltar and was a small man who felt himself to be an outsider dark-skinned in the north you know he and he's a gay man obviously john and he was bullied terribly at school and napoleon was bullied when he was at school for having a funny accent coming from the south and being shorter than everyone else and all this. <laughs> so i thought oh there's a, there is a, and, and they both met their waterloo didn't they um <laughs> and i thought and i thought there's, a, there's an in, there's an interesting parallel and a way to kind of escape from the kind of plodding predictability of a lot of documentaries where yes. you you know you're no caught good. in a world of bit of archive interview bit of archive interview to sort of give it a little bit of the the smell of magic that John brings to his fashion shows, I suppose.
0: Well, there's just great um, debate around as well, particularly because he's a British designer who makes it in the snobbery of Paris and you also have very different British attitudes towards Napoleon uh, as compared to the French attitudes toward Napoleon. It was, (laughs) it adds an extra layer. Exactly. Uh, Before I let you go, I I want to ask you actually just about, because you directed Jodie Foster only recently in The Mauritanian, uh, which is a film with a a great conscience about the the less inspected aspect of America's place in the world. You must be really enjoying her 2024 life story. Jodie Yes, I mean,
5: you know, um, Jodie is a great human being and it was such a joy to work with. you imagine, she hadn't worked for a number of years. Her mother had been quite ill Mm -hmm. um, and when I first met her, um, her mother had recently passed away, and I think she felt liberated by that. And she wanted to, she said, I want to do for the first time in my life, I want to do a film that is just not about money, not about Hollywood. I want to do something that's about the thing I believe in. And she was very interested in the story of, a, of, a, of an inmate in Guantanamo and the injustice he faced and the difficulty of him getting out. And so she plays the lawyer um uh, uh in in the film based on a real character nancy hollander yeah. and the great tahar rahim who's algerian french actor who you might have seen in a, a prophet and the serpent that bbc show the serpent about the serial killer yeah. um he plays he plays the inmate and i was so intimidated you imagine jody she's a, she's directed many great films she's yeah been in shows since as a kid, you know, she's been acting since she was three, I think. And so it's quite intimidating, but actually I've never worked with an actor who was so um, generous and responsive to notes. You just need to say Mm -hmm. one thing to do. She wouldn't wouldn't argue with you, just say, yes, I'll do that. And she would do it. And, you know, just an amazing collaborator. And I'm so pleased for her, you know, she's Oscar nomination. Unfortunately, she didn't get an Oscar nomination for the Mauritanian. She She won a Golden Globe for it, but she didn't get the Oscar nomination political choice i'm sure yes yes, Um, a difficult one uh, yeah yeah. (laughs)
0: yeah.
5: um but um but but no i'm I'm really pleased for her and of course she's having the the great resurgence in true in true detective incredible i think the amazing thing is you know that is so few people have a kind of third act to their career as an actor she's been a famous child actor she was a oscar two-time oscar winning um adult actor and now she's a you know an older woman should we say she's in her she's in her 60s yeah. and she's having she, a whole new career playing these really strong tough assertive women um uh, uh, you know a cop and a and, and, and a swimming trainer in Nyad um so yeah she's she's fabulous and um, um and my fingers are really crossed for her
0: more relevant than ever uh, do you prefer making documentaries now over your, over feature films or Are you're you doing both still
5: I love I love doing both. I mean, that Mauritania was a couple of years ago. Um, I've been trying to get a film off the ground. It's just harder than ever to get films off the ground, really? you know, uh, particularly things that have got a political side to them. I think uh, uh,
0: that's American finance, uh, is it? Is that the issue?
5: No, it's American finance a little bit, but I think just cinema is in crisis. I'm, I'm hoping, you know, like everybody who's a cinema lover, that it's going to come back more. Yeah, but films have not been doing well at the cinema. There's been there's been too much. Too much made by the streamers in you know television series and that kind of thing, so they they're running out of money. Um, wow. So yeah, it's a little bit of a, it's a little bit of a, a movie crisis at the moment, but hopefully that's gonna that's gonna come back. And I, I've got a couple of movies in the irons in the fire that hopefully will will take off the, later this year.
0: Great. Well, we'll keep an eye out for those. In the meantime, we'll do our bit in Ireland and we'll get to the Dublin International Film Festival. High and low, John Galliano It's going to be at the Lighthouse Cinema on the 25th of February at half past seven there and opens the cinemas on the 8th of March. Kevin MacDonald, it's been a pleasure. Lovely talking to you. Likewise. Take care. Bye-bye.
3: Email oliver at rte.ie.
0: Aha. Are you still there? Are you still listening? Well done. You've made it to the end of the podcast. Thank you. Like, subscribe to the podcast and all that jazz. Now, I mentioned on the show on Friday that during the acceptance speech by the Oppenheimer's producers for Best Picture BAFTA, there was a fellow on stage standing there among the cast and crew and Cillian Murphy began to look strangely at him. It was like he didn't know him. That's because he didn't. The guy was a YouTube prankster who blagged his way into the BAFTAs, made it all the way past the red carpet, into the auditorium, eventually actually appearing on stage during the main prize of the night that had just been announced by Michael J. Fox. In fact, he didn't even have to blag because he simply wore a high-vis vest. It's very, very empowering. You see, security, you know, they'd stop anyone trying to walk through the gates of ropes if they didn't look like they belonged there. But a fella who walks confidently in a tux with a yellow reflective gilet, the yellow vest, they let that man through. Let him in. There's a lesson here. You can get away with anything once you're wearing a high-vis yellow vest. It's very empowering as we discovered and People got in touch... Uh, here was a message from Sandra. I think it's Sandra, but it's it's spelled Sandra. If you get me, she says hi, Oliver. Regarding people getting away with things by wearing a high vis jacket, my car was stolen from outside the house at one o'clock in the day. When I spoke to neighbours about seeing it, they said, "Oh yeah, no, no, it was being taken away from repair, wasn't it?" Because these, the thieves, were wearing the high vis jackets, and they put it on the back of a tow truck with total confidence. That's what the neighbours obviously thought when they looked out and saw people in yellow jackets taking away Sandra's car. Are we could see them clearly on house cameras but I was unable to get it back. It was an older 05 Reg Mercedes but I loved it. That is a gorgeous car actually the 05 Mercedes. I know that Hugh of course from home of the year would particularly love it. This other person says I was working at a sold out gig a concert when a pizza delivery guy arrived at the front gate. He had a piping hot pizza with a contact name and an American phone number. So the security said, oh, we let you in because you're obviously delivering a pizza. And they let him walk right through into the backstage area of this sold out concert. Half an hour later, the so-called driver was spotted in the bar area eating the pizza that he is apparently delivering, waiting for the show to start. Almost ingenious. And other people got in touch to remind us and says, don't forget about the two Irish guys who blagged their way into the Super Bowl a couple of years ago and this is an interesting story it was Paul McAvoy from Cairn and County Tipperary Richard Whelan who's from Dublin and in 2015 they managed to blag their way well that's one way of putting it into the NFL's big showpiece game of the season they arrived at the stadium without tickets they tried to get through with touts but so they couldn't afford what they were looking for so they said why don't we just chance our arm so they went in to the Super Bowl you know the biggest sporting event in America one of the biggest TV events of the world you'd imagine security being razor sharp airtight so they decided what if we just walk through the front door and pretend that we kind of belong there will anyone question us they did Nobody questioned them. They got past one layer of security, just looking confident. Paul says he was looking down at his phone, pretending to text the other fella. And it was just like we'd popped out to look at something we got. And then we kind of walked back into the stadium. It's like, oh yeah, I was here already. They didn't have to say anything. Looked confident, walked past layer one of security. The next layer, a security guard, just didn't happen to be paying any attention. And then they suddenly found themselves in the stadium. And the atmosphere, they said, was insane. They spent the first part of the game jumping from seat to seat. Someone come back from the shop, whatever, and said, oh, that's my seat. And then they move on. And said, oh, I've made a terrible mistake. But at halftime, they came clean to a fella and they, they were chatting to him, sitting next to him and said, look, we sneaked in, but we probably should leave now. But the guy said, no, those two girls that were sitting next to me, they're not coming back because they're involved in a halftime show. So why don't you just sit here? You'll be grand. So the two boys, Paul McAvoy Richard Whelan, they end up four rows from the st- the front like four rows from the front of the stadium uh, the seats it turned out afterwards were worth $50,000 each and they were even seated next to a, f- a former Super Bowl champion uh, he was called Lawyer Milloy and he gave him a play-by-play commentary on the game didn't even need the hide of his vest but I thought they were interesting stories and they were worth uh, sharing with you here at the end of the podcast now thank you very much this is the end of the podcast as you know it I'll be back on the radio on Monday. If you have any interesting stories or things you think we should definitely know, pop an email to us anytime, Even if you're living in the future listening to this, oliver at rte.ie. That's everything. Cheers. Talk to you again.
3: Oliver Callan on RTE Radio 1. Listen back on the RTE Radio app.